It is what it is. <laughs> okay, we are live here, Purpose and Practice. Welcome back to another show. Um, this is a show where we focus on those people out in our community who are doing extraordinary things, um, giving back and, and doing the right thing and making sure that they are doing their part in terms of moving the community forward. Remember, the purpose of the show is purpose and practice. So we like to, you know, get to know more about, you know, what folks do in their everyday practice, you know, and how it is purpose driven and how it brings brings change to their community. So I am your host, Dr. Rawls Dill. Uh, thank you for joining me. Hopefully you all are doing well. Um, and today we have, you know, we, we got another, uh, another game changer, you know, um, Jacinia Rivera, she's out in the world doing really, really great things. Um, I cannot begin to tell you how proud I am of her. Um, I've been watching her transcend and just move beyond, oh, going all the way back from when I first met her in high school um, and coaching her in basketball. And I tell you, she was like, she was short, but the energy and the, and the attitude that she brought onto the court, it was like, you know, people had to recognize, you know what I'm saying? And that is when I saw in her, you know, um, I saw a lot, you know, I saw leadership. I saw someone who had drive. Um, I saw someone who was counted out. Okay. And, and, and made sure that she always represented herself in the best way possible. And that was one of the things that, you know, I took away from my, my relationship with her when she, when she was younger. And now what I see her doing in the community uh, with her community organization, which I'm gonna let her talk a lot about and talk more about, um, I'm really not surprised because, you know, like I said, I, I, I saw it back then, you know, when, when, she, when she was a younger young lady. And, you know, with that said, Jacinia, how are you feeling? What's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Thank you, thank you for asking. Thank you for having me. Uh, on this podcast, um, but I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, um, when I reached out, I mean, we've been back and forth. Jacinia and I have been back and forth, I would say over like maybe the last year or so. Um, we were, you know, you were making some career moves and you had reached out, you know, with some for some advice in terms of some career moves that you were making. Uh, then getting your master's like you was just you you were like you were on a move. And every time I look on social media, I would see like posts and pictures of things that, you know, you were doing in the community to give back. So why don't you just start us off by like giving us, a, you know, giving the people uh, a little background based on your organization and what you're doing now? Well, I started um, the Prosper Foundation about three about three years ago. Um, but we've been before that. We were working in the community, um, and a lot of the stuff that we just do, we 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 like to give back, uh, and we want to be active members in our community. Um, so we, I started the foundation with the intention to give back, but also provide a service, which is a mental health service for the kids in our community. Um, because as you mentioned, I, when I was in grad school. I noticed that there was like a big gap of services. Um, and even if you were to do like your own research now, you would see that there's just not a lot of services for kids mm -hmm. who are suffering from a, a mental health disorder or illness, whether it's anxiety or depression, um, there's a gap. And so we wanted to fill that gap. And that's how really Prosper got started because uh, we need to take care of our community. And it starts with the mental health. Indeed, indeed. So, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Prosper, um, but before we before we get into that, I kind of want to go back because I think, like, I know for me personally, and I can't speak for you, and we'll let you tell your story. Um, a lot of what drove me to be, you know, who I have become um, as an educator, as a mentor, um, as a person was built upon what I felt I needed as a child myself. So I kind of took that as a blueprint to be like, all right, I want my life about providing to young people what, what I felt I needed as a young person. So can you take us back and just kind of give us a little bit of background on you growing up, um, where you grew up, you know, what growing up was like? So I grew up in Long Branch, um, you know, born and raised in Long Branch. Um, 
I always uh, lived on Liberty. And back then, I mean, you know, my mom was a single mom, so she worked very, very hard. Um, and a lot of the times I just wanted to do that. Like I wanted to be just like my mom. I wanted to hustle it and get that money and stuff like that. So her, she really was like a role model for me in that sense that like whatever you wanted to get, you can get, you just got to put the work in. Um, but throughout middle school and throughout high school, like I just noticed um, what I was really missing was like that just another adult support you know, to be like, hey, you know, do this or, or do that or do it this way. I felt like a lot of the time I had to figure things out on my own. Uh, and so early in childhood, I was doing a lot of things, you know, and I wouldn't listen <laughs> to a lot of adult advice and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so I wish that I would have listened more, um, but I really had to figure out a lot of things, I feel like, on my own. Uh, and not to say that I didn't have supports, but, you know, when adults are working and working and working, that that time is missing you know, that presence is missing. That, you know, touching on that, people in the chat giving a shout out to Liberty Street. Um, definitely shout out to Liberty Street uh, <laughs> and all our folks out in Long Branch, period. Um, you know, that that part about, like, people listening, you know, and, and people kind of being able to see and identify that gap. I think that that's a big part of what's missing you know, um, in terms of when we go to school for education, a lot of time is not, whether it's to be a teacher, whether it's to be a counselor, a lot of time is not spent on trying to identify marginalized and vulnerable groups and doing work with those specific groups. Can, can you talk to, you know, um, like your experiences in school in terms of, do you feel that people, and when I say school now, let's go back to you coming up, you know, through the school system, you know, in your city. Did you, did you connect with, you know, folks? And if you did, when, when did it happen in your schooling career? Did it happen early on? Did it happen in the middle years? Did it happen, happen in later years at all? I feel like I really started to connect with uh, mentors and teachers it, when I went to college, I do, I feel like when I was in, in middle school, I felt like I didn't have like a lot of connections with a lot of my teachers. Um, and I, I feel like in middle school, like I went through my own things with like mental health and I felt like that wasn't even really a thing back then. Like, um, and then when I was in high school, I did connect with some teachers, uh, Miss Mahler, I think she changed her name at this point, but um, she was like, she was one of the teachers that I really, really, really connected with. I've always uh, struggled with math. Um, and she really just brought it to light for me. Like she, she helped me out when I needed it. Um, she really stood out for me as a teacher. And then when I went on to college, I've met so many great people, so many great people, especially in my grad school years. But I felt like what was really missing was just that connection and that representation. Um, I think that that's super important. And you know, when I did have like my struggles with certain teachers, it was just like, there was no relatability. There was no mm -hmm. understanding. And, and and that gap, you know, cr created that, well, I don't think that I can go to this person to talk about what I'm going through because they're focusing on my defects. And what I really need mm -hmm. is just to learn how to do this. And I felt like, you know, in middle school, I didn't get that. And in high school, until I met uh, Miss Mahler, that, that piece was missing mm -hmm. for me. Wow, that's, I wanna, it's so much I wanna un, unwrap what you just said, but you talked about adults focusing on defects, you know, um, and in, you know, in a lot of research in terms of education, that's often referred to as deficit thinking, mm -hmm. um, is when we see things and we look at young people and we immediately look at or think of the deficit the thing that they that they're coming that they're not coming to the table with rather than building the relationship around the positive things that that they bring to to the table that mental health piece um you, you know you touched on the fact that back then it kind of wasn't a thing mm -hmm. you know and i agree i i think i think that it was a thing but it wasn't seen as a thing that was impacting our children. Um, and I think that there's a lot more focus on it now. Did you have, you know, you talked about Miss Mahler 
and you talked about her positive, uh, you know, impact that she had on you, even in a subject that you weren't really strong in. She still had that, you know, positive impact on you, which is great. Um, but when, in terms of the mental health, did you know you were you were struggling with mental health then, or do you look back now at what you know and say, "Wow, I was struggling." Um. That's a good question. I I don't know if I was able to identify that it was depression or if it were anxiety if it was anxiety. What I was able to identify was that it was affecting me um, because I didn't want to do schoolwork or I wasn't as involved or uh, my mood would change frequently. So I I didn't I didn't know the label. I didn't know the name, but I knew that something was like happening. And did you have any way back then? Did you have anyone that you would talk to or talk through any of these things with? Or did, was it something that you kind of like, all right, I got to deal with that? For the most part, I, I felt like I had to deal with it on my own. But I did use uh, the school-based services for a little bit. But again, I felt like there just wasn't a connection there. I felt mm. like this person in front of me can't relate to what I'm going through because it doesn't seem like she went through what I'm going through right now, or she didn't grow up in the same neighborhoods that I did. So there was just that disconnect. Wow. So and you talked about school base, you know, in school base, you know, I don't know how you would define it, but the way that I remember it, um, and, and I guess a good way to define it is, it's a support and resource mechanism within the school setting with counselors um, who are there and who are able to help young people kind of navigate, you know, through different experiences that they're going through in adolescence. Would you agree that that's how school base, basically, you would define it? Yeah, yeah. So that was a that was a resource that you did use, but you're saying that like it really wasn't that that real connection there. It was kind of missing. Yeah, that 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 connection, and, and it's important in therapy. Like now, as I do therapy, it, it's you. It's important to establish a connection and to also be relatable in some sense. You know, you don't have to relate in every sense, but mm -hmm. um, I felt that like, yeah, that that piece was missing for me when I was going to see the social worker at the school. Okay. And and that's high school, right? Yes. We're talking high school now. So from high school, when do you realize like, all right, I want to go to college? Like, you know, because you're you're talking to me about what you're telling me, I can easily see a young person saying, I got too much going on. I'll never be able to handle college, you know. So how did that like come to be? My mom, <laughs> my mom, you know, I'm a first generation college student. So she really, really wanted me to go to college. You know, she wanted to make sure that I did it no, by any means. Um, so that really, that really pushed me to go to college. Um, and when I got to college, I got to be honest, I would, I felt so unprepared, like mm. so unprepared. Um, you know, the environment was different. Growing up in Long Branch, it's a very diverse com community. When I went away to Pennsylvania, it was like such a culture shock for me. So being, not only being in a different setting, but also like not feeling prepared for, for college. Uh, my first semester, I actually failed the class and it was like devastating. Uh, but I knew that I had to keep going. Um, and I, I actually stayed there for two years and then I came back to Kane uh, and finish my bachelor's and my master's there. So where'd you, in Pennsylvania, where'd you go? Uh, Lock Haven University. And how'd that come about? Uh, the school fair, the, the okay. college fair at the school, yep. Okay, so you took advantage of that college fair. I did, I did. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I I have to say, I never, I used to use it as a time to get out of class, but I didn't take good advantage of it um, <laughs> as I should have. And I know a lot of my friends, we used to use it just as a pass to get out of a certain class. Um, but it's good that you did because I'm like, yo, Pennsylvania, I didn't realize you went to Lock Haven. Mm -hmm. um, and when you went there, did you originally start off with the counseling track? Is that like what you were interested I in? I did not. I actually started with a political science major. I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and I felt like I would have been really good at it too, but- 
uh-huh. when I first, uh, you know, the general education courses, I took psychology uh, my first semester of college and I really was so intrigued and I was like, man, like this is something like that I felt like that I, I kind of went through, like I never heard of this subject. Mm-hmm. So I got really, really indulged in that. And then when I took my second course in psychology, uh, to find out about emotional disorders, I was like, yeah, this mm. is what I want to do. And then I started reflecting like, man, why wasn't this available to me when I was in high school or mm. even middle school? So that's what really started my track. And and from there, it's just I hit the ground running. So you end up from Lock Haven. You come for your last two years at Kane for your undergrad, you said? Yep. So you do your two years at undergrad at Kane, and then you go and get your master's. Like, did you know all, all the way, like, I'm going for my master's? Or did it come after you finished your, you know, your bachelor's? Did you... It came, How'd that come about? It came after. I actually spent a lot of time working in the field with my bachelors, but I realized that I wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do with just my bachelors. So mm-hmm. I went back for my master's in 2016. So I, I was out of school for about four years and five years before I went back for my grad for my graduate degree. So what, what prompted you? Was it really just hitting dead-end jobs? Like, what was it? I I sat down and had a conversation with somebody that used to work with my mom. And he told me, he was like, what's your biggest concern about going back to school? I was like, well, I'm already in a a lot of debt. So I don't want to, I don't want to get in more debt. And he was like, go back and get your master's degree and worry about the debt later. And so since that conversation, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And that's how it came to fruition. So you went, you just re-enrolled into King University, got your master's. And what is your master's in? Counseling. School counseling. Is it school counseling Uh, or just? It's master's in counseling, but I also have a school counseling certification. Okay. All right. So during that time, you know, were there any times that you were like, you felt, you know what? I'm done with this. I can't do it. I want to, I'm just, I'm I'm dropping out, like I'm leaving, like what are any, even your undergrad, you know, because you did, you did something that to be, to be honest, a lot of statistics show when people transfer, when young folks transfer from one school to another, the percentages of them not finishing their degree go up high. Mm -hmm. You know, so you, you did that transfer and obviously you still maintain but did you ever reach a point where you were like, I'm good on school, like I'm just I'm throwing it, I'm throwing in the book? Yeah, that first semester. That first semester was honestly very, very, very tough for me. It was a very hard transition from high school to college for me. Uh so that like I mentioned earlier, that first semester I failed a, a art history class. I don't even know why I was taking an art history class, but I had no guidance in regards to how to pick classes because that first semester of college, they picked the classes for you. I didn't pick my uh-huh. classes. So I had no idea how to navigate that. And so then, you know, once you get an F or like a withdrawal in college, it it pretty much like damages your GPA. So my second semester, I got straight A's and then I noticed that my GPA was still like a 2.8. I was like, I'm I'm never going to get into any other school if I don't get this GPA up. So at that point, I was like, you know what, maybe it's not for me. I I don't want to do it anymore. And I really can't think about the moment that was like, you know what, just keep going. But I did. And my whole point of transferring to Kane was, okay, if I go to Kane, my GPA will start over. That doesn't transfer. I know I'm a good student. So that was really like the final decision making for me to transfer and focus on that GPA. And I did. I I graduated with like a 3.8. And it was a big difference from a (laughs) 2.8. Listen, my undergrad... I was in the land of the twos. I'm just letting you know. I was like, I was under three. I don't, I still think back. I don't know how I finished my undergrad. Um, But it's like, it's so much going on in us just as young people during that time. You know, if, if we are traditional students and we go to college right after high school, there's a lot of maturing and there's a lot of things changing in us. And I was like, you said you weren't ready. I was not ready. I was kind of skating through. And you know what's funny? 
I failed some kind of art class too. <laughs> and I, it was like, I kind of went into it thinking it was going to be like, you know, I'll be uh, drawing and doing things, sketching. But then it was like this whole history part of it. And I was like, I had to study and I had to learn all of these different movements. So it kind of like that class I failed and it put me, and you're right. And this, you know, this goes out to all of you who are just entering into college, you know, um, that one F what it does to your GPA is like crazy, you know, like, and I remember I was on academic probation after my first two semesters uh, because I had failed two courses to be, to be uh, honest. I had failed an art course and I had failed an algebra course. Um, and then that's when I started understanding, I really have to study, you know, and I, and I really, you know, so I had that moment of like, all right, I got to get my act together or they're going to kick me off of, <laughs> off of this campus. Um, and it was support systems that helped keep me in. I have friends who were in college that motivated me because I didn't want to be the one who ended up back home. Um, I had older friends who had finished college. So that motivated me. Um, like you, I was a first year or not first year, first generation college student in my, you know, my immediate family. Um, and I think I was third in my family as I know it. Um, but my mom and my dad, they didn't check my grades or anything like that. Um, I was just kind of going. And, I, and I'm saying that to ask you this. Did you have support systems in place that kind of helped you, you know, just just in general? Like, like, what was your support systems? What were they like? So when I was in Lock Haven, I was very fortunate to meet this guy named Sammy. And I still know him to this day. Shout out to Sammy. Uh, my second year, I moved off of campus, and he lived right next door to me. And he would absolutely make sure that I was up for class. We would pull all-nighters in the library. Like, he was really my support system when I was over there in Lock Haven. Um, so shout out to him because now that I think about it, he's the reason that I kept going because he would wake me up for class. He would be like, oh, we got to study for this test and things like that. So that support was like everything, you know, being four hours away from home. Yes. I could always call my mom and things like that. But I felt like also there was some things that she wouldn't understand in regards to like the school system, what I'm going through, the studying, everything is hard. Um, and I also had some friends out there, Zoe, she was also very, a very good friend to me. And I, that support at college, like is what got me through those, those two years there. So what would be, what would be your message to young people you know, in terms of building support systems, you know, and how to go about building them. I think the most important thing to do when you are at college is be open to meeting new people, be open to experiencing new things and going to those like events that they host on the campus, like networking in that way, because it is very important, you know, for, for people who are going to college for the first time, you know, you want to have you, you're used to having your support from home, right? But things change when you go over there. Once you go away, you start talking to friends less, um, you start speaking with your family less. And so it's important to go to those events and, and really put yourself out there. You're not, everybody's not going to be your best friend, but in times of need, you know, people are going to be there if you put yourself out there. I, I think that that's, that's really good advice, Jacinia. That's something I struggled with um, because I was like, you know, coming from Long Branch, I, I went up to Jersey City. That's where I went to school. And I kind of was like trying to stay to myself. I wasn't getting involved in things. Um, and once I started, and it's funny because I started to get involved with more things through going to tutoring, because then I started meeting other people who were in kind of similar situations. So we started connecting and that's kind of how I started to build like friends, believe it or not. Um, another thing that helped me was going through EOF. I don't, you know, and you didn't, you, you couldn't have gone through EOF because you went out of state, but I went through EOF and there, and that's for those of you who don't know, it's, uh, referred to as educational opportunity fund and it is specifically for like those first generation college students students who are living in poverty students who don't have the greatest grades and there's like an academic fund attached to that um and we you know we did a lot of things together as a group through that eof program that really helped so let's fast forward a little bit mm -hmm. because the work i had mr encore on he was my first guest 
um, Jerome Hill, right? And your name came up in that conversation because, you know, I was asking him about giving back um, and, and how he gave back and what, you know, some moments he was proud of. And he had talked about a moment that I was already familiar with because I had sort of, I think, on your social media. Um, but it was in Asbury Park and there was like uh, in a community center, there were a bunch of young young children there and he had like the beat machine there he was like teaching them how to like make beats they went through all all of this stuff and that was a program as he mentioned in the show that was developed by you um tell tell us a little bit about you know the 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 organization and, and what you all are doing um and what kind of realities you're bringing to people and communities so that was that was during our summer program. Shout out to Mr. Encore because the, the kids still talk about that song that they made till this day. Um, <laughs> that is our summer program. So we started a summer program last year that really focuses on like the social emotional learning, but also like raising self awareness, self esteem. So we we put the kids through a six week program, and each uh, lesson is focused on like a communication skill or a social skill. So the first part of this the program initially is an hour and a half. And we have the kids sitting in the group. And, you know, at first the kids didn't really like it, but once they started to open up and talk with each other, and my, mind you, the kids are eight to nine years old. So they're, you know, they're opening up and they're talking. So for that first hour, then we give them like a 30 minute break, but then we also engage in STEAM activities, the okay. science, uh, science, technology, engineering, art, math, and science. Uh, yeah. Yep, you got it. So we engage them in those kind of activities because I also know how important that educational piece is, you know, and they go hand in hand. If a, if a child or a student is feeling good mentally, you know, they're going, research suggests that they're going to excel academically. So mm -hmm. I wanted to merge those two pieces because they're two important pieces for me. So we ran the summer program last year and then we also just finished last Tuesday, um, our second year of the summer program. So are you doing that? Is that a nonprofit? Yes. So yes. that's a so how did you begin a nonprofit? <laughs> I put a lot of my own money into it. Um Well, here's why I'm let me let me say this. Um I confession, I've started trying a nonprofit, fell off the wagon, the work got too much, with everything else that I was doing, stopped. Mm -hmm. You know. I think a lot of folks are out there who would love to hear, like, you know, how did you, the process that you went through, because what you just talked about through that nonprofit and those students, and that was at Asbury Park, I believe, mm -hmm. when you did that, right? Was that, yeah. So those students, those young people are still talking about that experience. Mm -hmm. So you obviously have made an impact, but tell us like, you know, how does one, or how did you go through that process of starting it? So I knew that I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to do something. So what I did, I did the research, you know, I did a lot of research. I started to also look at a lot of nonprofits, like their models and things like that. And so I figured out how to, you know, contact, I had to contact the state and obviously register with them and things like that. But I also had to find people who were willing to go on this journey with me. And I, and I have to like really, thank my my board members and the people that came together with me and were like okay we're gonna do this with you like we see your vision we, and we're gonna follow it through um so once i you know spoke to them about it like we just got the moving parts now with a nonprofit, you have to raise money right and that's something that i was not familiar in so again like i i did the research and i think our first um our first fundraiser with was what was with lala's gourmet cookies and brick okay and it would it went so well like it went so well so from that initial fundraiser we were able to raise like a good amount of money and that like really pushed us forward i i think to be honest that that fundraiser raised us about twelve hundred dollars and that's unheard of you know for the first time so that really pushed us to start and then we did a we had a connection with jacks we did a fundraiser at Jack shortly after that. And then after that, we ran the cookie fundraiser one more time. So those three fundraisers really is what built our foundation until now. And 
because of the money that we raised from those three events, we were able to do the summer program last year and this year. So a lot of shout outs right now in the chat uh, for <laughs> Prosper Foundation. Um, you know, and I always see the, the, the pictures on social media of all of the things that you all are doing, you know, and all of, all of the work that you're putting into, into the community. Um, and you talked about your board members. Mm -hmm. So how did you form that? Were those folks that you were just naturally already connected to? Or did you build new relationships with those folks? So everybody who is that sits on my board, I've known for more than 10 years. Um, okay. They are people that I grew up with. They're people that I trust. They're people that I know will tell me, no, this is a bad idea because you can't, you know, you can't have people who are just going to yes you to death. So, so true. you know, I, and that's something that I'm actually really proud of that I was able to build this with my friends, you know, and I always say like giving back with my friends, like making that a trend, because if you have people in your corner that believe in you and believe that you can do it, like you're just going to skyrocket. And so my board members all are in different backgrounds. You know, we have business owners, we have people who work in sales. We have people who have worked with uh, pu the public housing for a long time. So all of those different backgrounds really help build us to where we are now. So shout out, shout out to those board members. Shout out to Shad, Jen, mm -hmm. Alvin, Lisa, Camilla. You know, I, I couldn't be more grateful for them. Yeah, and there's a lot of familiar faces. When I see the pictures, you know, I'm like, wow. You know, and it makes me think of like, all right, if you were, and now I'm asking you, right, in high school, you know, if we were creating courses that taught young folks how to do things like create an LLC, create a nonprofit, do you, do you think that's a reality in terms of, or a possibility, should I say? Because it's not a reality right now in most schools. Is it a possibility? Like, do you do you see that being something that you could have learned in high school? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that there should be classes like that. I think that they should teach financial literacy too. Um, if there was a like back in high school, if there was a class that would have taught me how to start my business out of straight out of high school, I think so many people would take uh, advantage of that because it's not something that is second. Like, it's not something that's natural, right? Who would have thought like I would have never thought in high school that I would have a nonprofit right now. Like it wasn't it was a foreign idea to me. So if there were courses that taught children or kids, you know, adults how to do this, like people, more people would do it. And, and, and that's just it is that all right in high school, there are business management classes. You know, there's economic there are economic classes. But I wonder if they really get to like grassroots like you know like this is how you start grassroots because a lot of the things that are taught in those business and economic classes a lot of theoretical work um but i'm really like saying yo straight up how do we start a nonprofit? you know how can i right now leave this 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 building and begin to work to start a nonprofit or to, to start an llc you know i think that that's missing mm -hmm. you know because i think a lot of educators out there will say right now well we do have business management, we have economics, you know, but I guess what's missing is like that grassroots type of course. Yeah, like that hands-on experience, you know? Yes. Teach me how to fill out this document so that I don't have to resend it again. You know, things like that, you know, teach me how to, how to research this and what I would need to have in place, you know, to do that. Because we can teach theory and, and history, but it's all it's different when you actually get out there and do it. And you're doing the actual work. That because like right now with like even that supply chain, like that's a big deal right now, right? Supply chain management. And I'm like, you know, how many high schools are teaching about something like supply chain management? You know, and how you get like even what we're doing right now. Like the fact that I can have this broadcast going and I'm going like right from my home and your home mm -hmm. to the people and there's no in between. So the supply chain is me, the supplier, right to the people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like there's like 20 years ago, there would have been so many loops that we would have had to jump through in order to have a broadcast. Yeah. You know, like we would have to be, you know, so I guess it's the same way we have to start looking at things like, 
you know, business, you know, starting a business, um, starting a nonprofit, you know, these grassroots things, and we have to find a way to get it into high schools. Have you had any, or even middle schools, forget about high schools, I think you could start this work in, with middle school students. Have you had the opportunity to speak at any high school or any middle school about like some of your experiences? I got the opportunity to speak with a uh, mom's regional high school students. Uh, they were in a mindfulness class. So we had the opportunity to speak to them about like what we had going on and things. And they actually helped us fundraise, which was like amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a shout out to Miss Nappy. She, she really brought us in there and she helped us fundraise, but we didn't get to talk about how to do it, right? We talked no. about all the services that we offer, what we're trying to do in the community and the community service opportunities that we offer as well. But we didn't have a chance yet to like really go in and be like, this is how I started it. This is who I started it with. And this is how you can do it too. Because I asked you that, Jacinia, because I'm thinking right now, right? I've had on the show, I've had Mr. Encore on the show, right? I had um, Aramith uh, Tremar on the show. I had uh, Taikira on the show, right? Mm -hmm. I got you on the show, you know? Um, and I'm not gonna say who's next week's guest, <laughs> guest is, but, but when I think about those folks, I'm like, yo, if, if I was in high school and my teacher brought in for four months, right? one of you each month to talk about the things that you were doing in the how that you did it, that would have blown me away. Yeah. You know, like that would have been more meaningful to me than any course that I can remember from high school. Mm -hmm. Because each of you in your own way, whether it was entrepreneurial, whether it was through the arts, like you were like showing and proving that, you know, you can come in this world and you can create something that the people need and the people are going to support you for that. And, and I'm like, that's kind of, that's, those are the kind of things that, you know, our young, our young people, they need to hear. Those are the stories that, that they need, that they need to hear. So if schools, let's say, because right now my podcast, I'm creating it because I'm like, the reason I created this and a big shout out to Mr. Encore for inspiring me through his beat challenge. Cause I was like, I gotta do something. Mm -hmm. So, but a big reason for, for doing this is that I wanna be able to take 20 episodes and go to a school district and say, all right, listen to these episodes and find a way to fit it into your curriculum. Find a way to get these folks into the lives of your students you know like i imagine you going back to long branch and, and speaking to those students um speaking to the community about your experiences and about how you you know transcended and you you overcame what you had to overcome you created something that can build community you know so if 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 folks wanted to reach out and get in contact with you, you know, how would they do that to, to do that kind of work? So they would, I mean, we have the Prosper Foundation on Instagram. We have the Prosper Foundation on Facebook. We also have our contact information there. So if anybody were to want to reach out, they are absolutely able to. And I would love to do something like that. I would love to go back to Long Branch and, and speak to a lot of the students because I was once in, in, in that seat too was one feeling like I don't know what I'm gonna do like in 10 years from now and 10 years went by and here we are so I would I would love to do that so I want to I want to kind of like change lanes a little bit All right. and I want to <laughs> talk about you know some of the things that that make you go you know and, and when I say make you go and what motivates you and what keeps you inspired um you know, I know we, we all have our little things that inspire us and that keep us moving, you know, because you're doing difficult work. Um, what are some of the things, you know, that, that inspire you and, and keep you on, on the track that you're on? Well, I think any time that I sit down and have a conversation with somebody and they tell me, you know, thank you for just spending this time and speaking with me. Like that right there is everything. Like 
for you to tell me that like just the time that we spent together changed maybe the outcome of your day that that keeps me going and also knowing there's like so much more work to do you know not every day you know i feel like i'm on go 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 but when i don't feel that way i have people in my corner they're like listen you're doing important work you have to do it like there's people who depend on you and there's people that still need to experience you so that really just keeps me going you know and when i think about the prosper foundation like my vision is so you know so clear like i want to have a community center whether i, I would love to have it in long branch you know that would be the the dream come true but I really want to have like a center where kids can come and, and you don't have to like sit down for counseling. You don't have to speak about mental health, but just to have a space to go to where there's no pressure. I'm just going to go here and I might be able to tap into some creative things. You know, I might be able to meet with like a, a graphic designer or an artist or somebody like Mr. Encore, a producer, like just to have those resources in our community because when kids connect with, adult like a, a supportive adult it changes so much like it changes the trajectory so like that keeps me going like knowing that that's not done makes me go so what you just said um and it's funny because a lot of research and education says that it's not all about the teachers that are assigned to teach students but it says that if students have meaningful relationships with two teachers outside of the teachers that they're assigned to, their likelihood of school success, like goes, it, it almost doubles, you know what I'm saying? So I think that that connection piece is really, really important um, in connecting with adults and adults being able to connect with students and young people. I always say that, you know, education and relationships are two-way street. You know, there's sometimes where folks get into education and they think that it's about creating, oh, this is my world, I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. But it's important to develop those relationships that you're talking about to be able to look at young people just as that, as young people, not as kids, but as young people who have ideas and dreams and visions, you know? Um, Speaking of that, how would you, if you had to go back and give yourself advice, right? This is just sitting here now today on the 23rd of August, 2020, going back, giving Jacinia advice from Jacinia in high school. What would the advice or what would the message be to the high school you? Really, it would be to listen, to listen to, you know, the people that were trying to to guide me and i kind of was like nah I don't, I don't i'm gonna do this my way so my advice really would be to listen and to see what you can take you don't have to always take everything from a conversation you can take some from some of it from the conversation so i would tell my younger self to to listen just to listen but but do you think that you do you think that you had to listen somewhere yeah like, you know, you talked a lot about your mom, you know, like your mom was like pushing, pushing, pushing. But a lot of it was, and this is how, this is how I feel about my mom. And then I'm going to ask you your, your feelings is that my mom didn't always say a lot, but what I watched her do was like really impactful. Mm -hmm. You know, like she wasn't like, sit down, let's have a talk. <laughs> but when I watched her do you know taking care of me and my brother um you know dealing with demons that she had to deal with and challenges that she had to overcome personally um and going through that that was a great motivator you know to me so when you say listen do you really mean only just listening with your ears or do you mean really also like seeing things or, or kind of like, you know, observing things differently? Yeah, yeah. Uh, observing things differently and really being open to to that wisdom that uh, older people have to share with you. I think that like I was listening to, to OK, yeah, I, I hear you, but I'm not actually mm -hmm. listening to what you're saying. 
And so I, I feel like as as now where I am now, if I would have maybe listened more or even experienced more, like gone to, you know, different events and things when I was younger, I think that would like that's what I would say, you know, just indulge more, get get connected with more people. Uh and and take care of yourself. <laughs> that's what I would and and I think that that's I think that those things are important. So, going forward, like, where do you see? And I hate I don't like asking that question of like you know your five year plan or you know like where you see yourself in ten years or anything like that. But do you have any you know do you have any your eye on anything in terms of you know what that's where I'm trying to go with it. Like this is where this is where I want you know prosper to be. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, like I really want that that community wellness center. Like I want to to have that. But if if I'm being real, like I want that in every like underprivileged community, like in America. Like if they if there was a center that provided mental health services, recreational services, just. Uh, arts and, and crafts, like resources like that, like it would just, I would love to see that. Like I would love to see that. So, I mean, it's not far off, I, <laughs> but that's what I would like to see. Like I, I want that wellness center. I want kids to have a space that they can go to in every community so that they don't feel like they're alone, you know, cause suicide is the second leading cause of death in children and adolescents. Like, so that speaks a lot. Like the kids are, are dying more by suicide than car accidents. Like that has to change. That has True. to change. True. And I'm glad you, you know, I'm glad you touched on that. Um, this, the suicide piece is funny because I was listening to like, cause my daughter, my daughter is going into seventh grade next year. So I'm trying to understand because it's been a long time since I've been a seventh grader. So I'm trying to understand. And, and a seventh grader now is different than a seventh grader than you know that I was back in what nineteen maybe eighty eight, right? So what I'm trying to understand is with her. I'm like I'm trying to understand your world, right? So one of the things that I started to do is I just listen to her playlists. I listen to her music. And that sounds like, okay, and, but I'm listening to Juice World, right? And because that's a lot of our kids is, are tuned in to Juice World. And like, I think he has a song called Anxiety, right? And I'm, and I'm listening to it and I'm like, yo, his music was, was about like these emotions that he had inside and his way of letting it out. And I'm like, I'm listening. I'm like, okay, the more I listen, the more I start seeing what, for me, what a Tupac may have been for me. You know, and, and, and my daughter, you know, she's all over this music. And it, it almost allowed me to start having conversations with her about things like anxiety, you know, and like, and understanding that there's a, there's a world that that she's experiencing that may be different than my world. So how do you stay? I'm saying that to ask you as a counselor, as someone who is trained in counseling, how do you, if you had to give advice to parents, you know, uh, to guardians, uh, to educators in terms of staying in tune with young people, you know, how, wh what kind of advice would you give them or give us? Cause I'm one of those folks. <laughs> I'm trying to stay in tune. Yeah, I, I would really tell them to um, to to listen, you know, and to really have those like mental health check ins, you know, asking them how their day was, you know, and I always like what I've been saying more to people recently is like, we're going through this pandemic, right? And as adults, we have learned to adapt. But think about kids who have literally been pulled from the structures that they know, you know, are we checking in with them? Did we ask them, you know, how are you feeling about going back to school? How have you felt over these last three months? And like really sitting there to listen because they have a lot of things to say. But we, we get so caught up like in working or just being busy that we forget about that piece. You know, it's important to just sit down and have that conversation with them. Like, 
you know, how, how have you been experiencing this? What has your experience been like over the last four months? And I, I'm sure that they will have a lot to say. I, I, in, when I first opened the summer program this, this year, the first question that I asked them was, how are you guys doing with all this? And again, they're eight, nine years old, but they're like, oh, I can't wait to go back to school. Or I just want to see my friends. You know, I just want to see my teachers. I don't like being home all the time. So like they're experiencing some of the same things that we are, but it's a little more intense for them. They Their world is like upside down right now. So I think it's really important to just have those mental health check-ins and sit down and take 30 minutes, an hour out of your day to be like, let's talk. Let's talk about how you're feeling. That's real because what the hard part is, Jacinia, is that, and you touched on it, some of the adults are dealing with so much stress of their own. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I was just reading this morning that the um, the in September, by the end of September, the amount of homelessness that's going to impact students mm-hmm. and families is going to be greater than it's been in over twenty years, right? So I'm like. How are folks going to worry about school? You know, with just homelessness and just joblessness as a reality, you know, so when it, like, how do you, you know, I get what you're saying, talk to them, but I almost want to have a, I want you to give me a message right now for to put you on the spot, (laughs) but I want you to, Jacinia, I want you you know, and I know you can do it, you know, um, talk to the adults in terms of some of the things that we are going through as adults that takes our attention away from our kids because we're so focused on survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So give us a message for the parents out there, the guardians out there. What, what can we do, the, the educators? I think it's important to be self-aware. You know, be more self-aware when you are going through, you know, something like about with anxiety or about with depression, really taking the time to take care of yourself. You know, there's always that quote that you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't be there for a child if you're not right yourself. So it really takes, you know, I'm very, very big on self-care. And I and I have to shout out my graduate, my graduate program, because that is something that they pushed for us. It's like make sure that you're self-care, self-care, self-care. So I would, I would definitely tell the adults, listen, pay attention to what your body is telling you. Pay attention to the emotions that you're having and really start to take care of that stuff. Because, it, you know, how you cope is how your kids learn to cope as well. So if you're stressed out and you're, and you're going to your room to lay down every time that you're stressed out, children are watching that. So mm. it's, really, it, it's really important to take care of yourself and also to practice, like, that self-awareness. Okay, today I'm not I'm not having a great day, but I felt like this for the last five days. What do I have to do differently? Um, so I really think it's important to have that self-awareness and also just learning about what it is. Like, what is mental health? You know, what is depression? What is anxiety? And really educating yourself and your children because that's an opportunity to do that. You know, when you know more about this, you're able to relay that information. So really checking in with yourself. You know, a a thing that I always recommend and some people, you know, they don't really like it, but I think journaling is super, super, super important. Um, And one quote that I always remember is like journaling is about learning about the story that you're creating for yourself. Because when you sit down and actually reflect on some of those thoughts that you have, you're like, wow, why, why do I even think this way about myself? Or why am I saying this, you know, and really start to challenge some of those thoughts that you're having. Because journaling is about finding out, okay, this story, I, I don't like this. I'm going to change this narrative. So really beginning to change the narrative for yourself. I, listen, thank you. I knew you could do it. That's why I was like, listen, <laughs> she go ahead. L- listen, I put you on the spot, you deliver, you know, as I knew you would. That journaling piece is, it's like, I, it makes me think of like when, when I taught, journals were a big part of my class. It was to the point where every every year I would make sure students got those black and white me journals, mm-hmm. and if they if they couldn't get them, 
I, I would get them. And it's funny because I got a box of them right here. <laughs> you know what? Because, because <laughs> listen, be, and because what I'm trying to do is get my children to understand the importance of what you just said and the importance of journaling, the importance of, and, and I'm going to go back to what DMX said, writing our pain. Mm -hmm. And when he was on Versus, because that stuck to me. And it's funny because in terms of hip hop music, when I think of DMX, he was one of the first artists that I recall of really coming out and talking about mental illness, talking about depression, talking about demons, mm -hmm. you know, to where it kind of made others feel like, all right, it's not a weakness. It's something that I'm going through. And the way we shield it may be through alcoholism. It may be through drug abuse. You know, it may be through locking ourselves in a room and sleeping all day. You know, like you kind of talked about coping. Mm -hmm. But then if we if we reframe it, like DMX said, and write our pain, write this stuff down, listen, that changes that changes the whole game. Yeah. You know that. So what you what you just put out there, it's like, and shout out to Aaron for remembering, <laughs> like, because those journals, it's serious. It sounds because I remember I read something. It was like writing is something where you take your thoughts and you make them three dimensional because you put them down on paper. You make them something that people can touch and feel. And that, like, when I read that, I said, yo, that's deep. So when I start asking young people, like, write, and then on Fridays I would collect all the journals and read them, that's when I started to develop. So teachers out there, if you're saying, well, how do I learn or how do I know? The things that students were writing journals, yeah, it changed, like, it changed my whole perspective on, like, really getting to know people, you know? Um, so... You you really nailed that, you know, and and, and, and thank you, thank you for that. Yeah. And so when I the the one important piece is that that's what we teach in our program is like that is a coping strategy. So any kid that comes to our program program, they get a, a journal, you know, and they're like, what am I supposed to do with this? I'll write about your day, write about anything, and even drawing, you know, it's super important. And that's also like where the back to school drive becomes important to me because. I, I'll have a hundred notebooks and any kid that I come in contact with here, here's a, here's a notebook because I just know how important it is to, to be able to release and how you said, yeah, it becomes three dimensional. So a lot of things with anxiety, we might be thinking things like I'm not good enough. So you put that on paper and guess what? You cross it out and you write, I am good enough. Oh, I like that. And you I like change that, that thought. I like, like, Listen, I got a big smile on my face. Like, I'm like, because I'm thinking, Jacinty, I'm sorry, but I'm thinking of you on the basketball court. <laughs> like, yay big, yay tall, you know, putting in work. And I'm like, the same kind of tenacity, the same type of drive that you had there, you have now refocused to here. Mm -hmm. And as an educator, I'm listening to this and thinking of how can I change what I do? And, and how can I work with other educators to make sure we're infusing this kind of, these kind of practices rather into what we do for children. So you, you have inspired me, you know, and, and I want you, you know, the, the folks that I bring on this show are folks who inspire me. And they're folks who kind of, because in this world of education, sometimes it gets like, you start wondering, am I having an impact? You know, the things that I do now, when am I going to know that they're having an impact? And when I talk to some folks like you, who our relationship, we can go back almost 20, about 20 years, yes. you know? So when, when I met you, and I think educators need to understand that, is that you may not see it the day after, the week after, the month after, 
keep putting in the work because the seeds that you're planting and believing in young people, this is what it will bring, you know, um, because this is what's in you. This, these are the things that are in you all. So it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm blown away, you know, and, and I learned, I've learned so much today um, from you. Is there anything, you know, as we begin to, you know, wrap, we're, we're coming up on an hour and, and I can, we could talk forever. I just feel like we could just, you know, there's so many things we didn't even get to. Um, but is there anything that, that's on your heart? You know, is there anything that's, that's on your mind that you kind of want to talk about or, or let people, or let folks know about? Well, I really just, you know, I want to just say that to everybody who's listening or anybody who is going to watch this, like, you know, to think about some of the things that we have talked about and really start to check in with yourself and, and, and raise that self-awareness, you know, and really start to have these conversations. Um, one of the shirts that we have right now is, is our I'm Fine shirt, right? So we, I started that with the intention of, okay, when we ask somebody how they're doing, it's always, I'm fine, I'm all right. Mm -hmm. But there can be so much more going on. So what if I asked you, okay, how are you really feeling? And then there's so much more that comes out of that conversation, but we have to be willing to take that, that step further. So really start to have these conversations about mental health. Talk to your kids, talk to the adults in your life. I know that some of us grew up in households where mental health was not a thing, you know, and I, I keep saying mm. a thing because that's how, you know, that's how we grew up in some households. It's like, no, just, just get over it. You, you know, you'll get through it. But there's, there's really some, some hard things and some hard concepts to get past when it comes to mental health. So, Really check in with yourself and take care of yourself and take care of each other. So I'm sorry, but we can't leave now because that, <laughs> I'm, listen, you see, you keep dropping all these, like, because I asked my kids and I'll say, you know, how was your day? It was good. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how you feeling? I'm fine. Just like you said. Mm -hmm. But there's so much more beneath. Yeah. So how, I'm going to ask you one more time, <laughs> you know, how do you like, like, how do you dig deeper? Because to me, that's what you're telling me is that we have to dig deeper and not just take it on the surface of like, when you hear someone say, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Because think about, just think about that in our community period, this in here, right? When people be like, when people say, "Oh, I'm good," you know, that then transformed to, "Oh, I'm good on, I'm good on her," which means I don't mess with her like right. that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, you gotta like, you really gotta like break it all the way down. When people are saying, "I'm good," it can have like, like, what does it really mean? And like, and how do we start digging deeper into? you know, are you really good? You know, and it's funny because when you think of it, then it's the phrase did come, what's really good. So that's just proven in our culture that it started off as, oh, I'm good. But then people begin to realize you ain't really right. good. So then people start saying, yo, what's really good? So I guess my question now to you is like, how do we get to like, what to that question of like, What's really good with, with people? Like, how do we engage folks in that kind of like conversation of really getting deep? I, I think it's important to ask the follow-up questions and be willing to listen. You know, a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll see somebody and we'll be like, hey, how you doing? And before they even get a chance to say anything, we're, we're halfway down the street. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's really about being present. Yeah. And so if I'm asking you, hey, like, how, how are you? I'm fine. Are you really fine? You know? And, you know, how has this week been for you? And asking those like more questions to really dig deeper because, you know, some people will say I'm fine, but then you ask them, okay, how are you really? Oh, you know, this week was tough. Okay. What happened? What, what, what was tough about it? Do you want to talk about it? You know? And if they say, yeah, I would love to talk about it. Thank you for listening. That that's how you really start to dig deeper. But I also think like as a community, we have to start talking about it more. We have to start talking about mental health a lot more. Because yes, there's been great strides in the mental health community, but there's still a lot of things that have not gotten better. You know, there's still that stigma attached to it. 
And, you know, one thing I would love for people to do is stop using the word crazy when it comes to defining mental health. You're not crazy. You're just going through something. Life is stressful. You know, that doesn't classify you as crazy. And I think that negative connotation changes the way we have these conversations. I think that that's a good, that stop using the word crazy. When we grew up, we had identified in our in our neighborhood, the crazy man, the crazy lady. Do we uh, listen? And I remember, quick story. We we were growing up. We were walking home from Leonard Conroe School, and we were walking to Grant Court, and we used to throw rocks at the crazy lady's house. And one day, this lady, and she used to, if, if anybody's familiar with Long Branch, on Seaview Avenue, across the street, it's not there anymore, there was a corner store on Seaview Avenue, across the street from that corner store was this big gray house, and if you walked from Lena Conroe back then, you threw rocks at that house, right? So, we threw rocks. One day, Jacinia, the lady, got out, came out, we never seen anyone come out of that house before. She came out of the house, and she didn't chase us. She walked behind us all the way to my grandmother's house who lived in Grand Court. So we ran into my grandmother's house. This is a true story, right? We was like fourth grade, fifth grade. My grandmother lets us in, but then she sees the lady and she's like, invites the lady into our house to have tea. Mm -hmm. And we were saying to my grandma, you can't let her in. She the crazy, that's the crazy lady, right? Long story short, like all of the kids start forming around the outside of the house, looking at this lady inside of our house, who we thought was the crazy lady, sitting down, having tea. The lady finished, never said a word to us, talked to my grandmother, left. It, it began to change my whole perspective as an elementary student of like, yo, they're real people. These are real people who we are calling the crazy lady. And, you know, I don't know what, you know, what made my grandmother do that. My grandmother ne never had no, no schooling, no, no education, no like, you know, emotional. I'm using my emotional intelligence. There was love in her is what it came down to. And invited that woman into the house, had tea with her, changed my life you know, changed my life. So I I agree with you, you know, getting those words out of our lexicon or out of our vocabulary mm -hmm. and ceases, ceasing to use them. Words um, are Jacinia, yeah, word, listen, words are like, words, they're so powerful. They're, they're, they're so powerful, you know, um, in, in the way that we, we form things in our head. Um, you you are definitely family to the show. Thank you, thank you for and, having um, me on. Listen, no, it's thank you, <laughs> thank you for what what you're doing. Um, and and I, you know, I'm very honored to to have to have known you. Um, and I'm very proud of the work and very I'm encouraged. Forget about proud. I'm encouraged by the work that you're doing. Because the work that you're doing is making me say, how can I do more? So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for the, for the work that you're doing out in the communities. And, and I hope that people, that folks are hearing this and finding ways of how can we get, you know, your, your program into our schools. You know, and I know I'm already thinking about how I could do it um, and, and talking to into our children. So, you know, we, we really appreciate you. Purpose and practice, you so we, we appreciate, yes, what, you, what you're doing and, um, and we love you for it. So, so thank you very much. To the folks out who tuned in, we had, you had a lot of folks tuning in and, uh, you know, giving up a lot of uh, chat, you know, a lot of uh, stuff up in the chat. Thank you for all of your support. We love you all too. Um, and until next time, you know, we're going to say peace out. And Jacinia, keep doing all of the work that, that you're doing out there in the community and, uh, and stay encouraged. All right. Thank you. Peace thank out. you so much.